You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites, and is brought to you by ZeroMo, a non-profit initiative helping transition to battery-powered lawn and gardening equipment and electric vehicles using 100% renewable energy. Hello, so here we are sitting in the second generation Nissan Leaf. Um, Look, the Nissan Leaf is an interesting vehicle. The first generation Nissan Leaf was the first mass market electric vehicle car in the world. It sold pretty close to half a million vehicles and um, the second generation has been out for a couple of years and has only just arrived in Australia, um, probably just just over one year um, in the rest of the world and is proving a reasonably popular option. Look, there's a couple of things to note about this and the difference between the uh, first generation uh, one is that um, it's an updated model, so it's probably a bit more comfortable and a bit more modern than the first generation. Two, it's got a bigger battery, 40 kilowatt hours versus 24 kilowatt hours, so it's got a bigger range. I think the official number is 280 kilometers. Probably more of a practical number is 240, and you'd probably have to be going on echo mode for most of that time. I think if you're um you know a bit like me sort of going a bit quick through country roads or you know going down the highway um you might not get much change out of two just over 200 210 220 kilometers but um we'll talk to bridie schmidt the lead reporter for the driven later on um she's been using this car for a week um the driven um got a loan of the nissan leaf for one week um i've actually had it for 24 hours Bridie's going to have it for a week, so we're going to talk to her later on, and we're also going to talk to somebody else who's got a current model Nissan, or a a previous model Nissan, to work out um, what the difference is. But look, my impressions over this first is that, look, this is is a very nice car. Um, It's interesting, it's one of two modern good long-range vehicles which are priced at around $50,000 or under. So the Nissan Leaf comes in about $49,900 plus on roads and they vary of course from state to state. So look, it's not a cheap vehicle by any means. Um, Is it value for money? Well, that's going to depend on a lot of different things and people's personal preferences, how quickly they want to get into electric vehicles, how quickly they want clean technology. But there's a couple of things about this car that I really find quite interesting. One is its regenerative braking and um, uh, for those um, who have been familiar with electric vehicles, regenerative braking is basically uh, when you actually just take your foot off the accelerator, you allow the engine to slow the car down and you use the energy created from that slowing down to put it back into the battery. In the Nissan Leaf, it's called the e-pedal, and it's really quite fascinating because I reckon I've had this car, driving this car for 24 hours, um, off and on. I've done about 12 different trips. I've done about 250 kilometers, and I reckon I've touched the brake pedal once. So that's really interesting. The other interesting thing is its ability to go vehicle to grid or vehicle to home. Basically, it means you use this car as a very big battery that you can plug into your home or you could send back to the grid to sell energy. You could power your appliances at home or, or, or share with other people through the grid. That 
to me is fascinating. Basically a power source on wheels. Um, unfortunately, we can't see that right now because we're still undergoing tests and meeting all the right standards for Australia. There are tests going on with inverters, um, make sure it suits the network, make sure the network companies and the grid operator are happy with the way that operates. Uh, we should see that in the new year and we'll certainly be coming back to that to see how that works then. But um, in the meantime, all we've got is a power source and wheels, which is not actually a power source, but it is a car. It is. It does get around and look, it's actually quite interesting. So look, I'm going to switch it on right now. Um, pretty easy. You've got your key and like so many other cars, you just press your brake pedal and you switch it on and um, off we go. You can just hear the windows going out. I'm just going to close the windows. Sorry, there was the mirrors going out. Um, one of these really dinky things is the handbrake. I'm just going to release the handbrake there. I'm just going to put on the handbrake. Just listen to this. I hope you heard it. It's actually operated by the foot. It's really pretty old school. Um, it sounds like one of those really old handbrakes you lift it up with a hand, but you do it with your foot, your left foot. It's right on the left underneath and um, and um, that's pretty interesting. Apart from that, it's pretty easy. You just got a little, a funny little knob. Look, it looks like a conventional car. It's really interesting with the way that Nissan and Jaguar and Hyundai are going about things. They basically make it look as normal as possible um, inside the car. It's just that it feels different because it's an electric vehicle. So I'm currently in park. I've got this little knob where the gear stick is. I just put it left or right, sorry, push it up and I'm gonna go into reverse. And it's got the parking sensor switches on. At the moment I'm at 71% charge. I've got about 200 kilometer range, it tells me. Um, really interesting thing about the charge i took it to, i've charged it twice at a um, community um, thing it's a, something provided by the council it's a tritium charger it's 50 kilowatts so twice i've gone down there for cups of coffee i mean partly because i'm just interested to see how it works so um, yesterday we actually went for a walk on the beach we left the car there for about 25 minutes it added 10 kilowatt hours in that time that's about quarter of its um, capacity quarter of its range and we put about 70 or 80 kilometers in there just as we went along the beach. This morning I just dropped in, um, got a cup of coffee. In that time it added 9 kilowatt hours, um, about 20% of its capacity went from 54 to 74% and that probably averaged added about 50, 60 kilometer range in. So that was interesting. Really takes no time at all. Park there, takes 30 seconds to plug in, you just walk off and it does it by itself. Um, this afternoon I've actually just plugged it in um, to the house. It's got like a little charger you just plug into the wall socket. I've just parked it at the front of the garage. Um, that's pretty slow. It only charges just, just less than three kilowatts. So it would if your battery was flat, it would take 15 hours to do so, to charge up. But um, I've just been using it just to see how it goes. I've got five kilowatts of solar, so that's been putting out at least three kilowatts um, for most of the day, and that's more than enough to cover our household needs during the day and also the needs of this vehicle. So um, that's, um, that's been pretty good. Driving this car has been quite interesting, actually. I mean, as my partner Anne said, and she had a drive of it too, it's a proper car. It feels good. It feels solid. It drives beautifully. Now, one of the things about electric vehicles is that they've got a low center of gravity because of the batteries they're basically put in where the chassis is. That keeps it low on the road, it hugs the road. 
we're up here in the northern rivers of New South Wales, so we've got country roads, we've got windy roads. Um, it's really a pleasure just to drive around and, um, and, and, and hugging the corners. It goes uphill pretty easily, no effort at all. In fact, it's quite a joy. It doesn't devour the hill like a Tesla and its acceleration is not unbelievable like a Tesla or even a Kona, but it's still pretty powerful. I took it for a drive along the freeway and um, gave it a bit of a shove and um, it responded really well. I overtook a couple of cars doing 100. I mean, the limit was 110. Just sort of um, whizzed past them pretty quickly and um, felt like a really strong car, nice to drive, all the power that you could possibly need um, without being too fancy. Um, really solid and inside it's perfectly comfortable. It's a, it's a four-seater. You probably fit five in the five in the car with three at the back. It's one of those small, medium-sized cars, a bit like a Mazda 3 or a Nissan version or a Toyota Corolla. I mean, they probably all hate being compared to other models, but um, that's basically it. I guess the the value question comes is to you know fifty thousand dollars. That seems like a lot of money. Um, should it be cheaper? Yes, it probably should. Will it be cheaper? Yes, it will be. When will it be cheaper? We don't really know, but we're told within a couple of years there'll be the crossover point. But certainly um, charging it and using on your um, electricity, um, your own solar power, would be uh, very cost effective. And, um, and that's pretty good. So I guess, the, I guess the question of value will come once you get the vehicle to home and the vehicle to grid um, opportunities. Um, in theory, you've got 40 kilowatt hours that you can use as for your home or, or to send back to the grid. Um, it might give people pause to think about whether they really want a, um, a household battery. If they've got one on wheels, which they can use and plug in readily. But um, as I said before, we don't quite yet know um, what that looks like and how well it will work and um, how the rules of the market will be adapted to make sure that people can get proper value out of that. But look, um, let's go for a ride now. I've just put it into um, drive and we're going forward. And this is the sound of it. We're going down a dirt driveway now. Got the indicators on. No cars coming on the road now. So at low speeds, it's pretty quiet. As you accelerate, you start to get the road noise that you can hear from all vehicles. Um, so that quietness is lost. Now just as I'm going down this road, it's pretty quiet, there's um, no one around. I'm just going to take my foot off the accelerator. And it actually decelerates really quickly. It's, it's quite grippy. Um, those who have heard my um, test drives in Teslas and in the Hyundai Kona will know that um, regenerative braking in those models can actually be set at different levels. With the Nissan, it's kind of like an on-off switch. It's called an e-pedal, they call it. So basically, you switch it off and it just drives like normal. It'll coast if you take your foot off the accelerator. With the e-pedal on, it's very. I've just slowed down and all of a sudden, I'm putting back into the battery. I've just slowed down quite dramatically. Now I'm going up a hill, so I've got my foot back on the accelerator. 
but because it is quite grippy, um, initially that's a bit surprising. Um, takes a bit of while to get used to, so what you do is that if you do want to slow down or coast, you just take your foot just slightly off the accelerator, and um, you find that right now I'm just going along at 70 kilometers an hour, and I'm using nothing, and if I'm going slightly downhill, I'm actually putting energy back into the battery, which I'm still doing now, going on a slight decline. Still putting back in the battery. Still putting back in the battery, still doing 75. Now I'm going up, a slight incline, so keep the speed up. I'm now discharging the battery. Pretty interesting stuff, and if I just take my foot completely off the accelerator, even in a slight decline, I'm slowing right down, and I will come to a complete halt. And this is what I mean when I actually uh, talked about using the brake pedal once. Well, apart from switching the car on, which you need to touch the brake pedal to actually switch the car on. But for driving, I've used it once, and that's probably when I was going down a reasonably steep hill and there was a T-junction at the end of it, and I probably didn't start using the regenerated braking early enough, so I did have to use the brake pedal, but that's been the only time. Even driving around the city, um, well, city, town, you know, traffic and... Um, roundabouts and things like that, I could found that I could um, slow down enough just using the regeneration rather than the brake pad and um, that's good news um, for people who don't want to pay for brake pad replacement sometime down the track. I'm just driving along Country Road now and it's um, just a broad bend. The handling of this car is really quite good. You really, I mean as I said before, it feels like a proper car You've got good handling, you've got good control. I'm going up a reasonably steep hill. It's got plenty of power. It's not devouring it, but it's a, um, it's a pretty fun ride. And um, I'm just gonna leave it to there and we'll come back on and get some other people's views. So we're out and about again this time with Muriel Watt, a um, solar industry veteran and um, works with um, IT Renewables. And Muriel is a proud owner of a first generation Nissan Leaf, which she bought second hand a um, year or so ago. Muriel, you've been driving this second generation Leaf. Um, what's the big differences from your point of view? But it feels the same to drive. So it's, it's very easy to steer and to drive and very, you know, nice. And direct um, but it's got a few things that well quite a lot that's different about the um, the dashboard and the controls um, and the braking um, is, is def definitely um, quite a lot different so you don't really need to brake with this one you just take your foot off the accelerator whereas with mine you sort of norm, do your normal braking much more than here um, so that means the regenerative braking system is uh, I don't know much stronger or much much more effective perhaps and so it would be interesting to see if the range um, is extended much more than mine would be um, but it, it feels good at the moment the, the uh, lights and um, blinkers and things are on the 
on the left rather than the right, which is more like an American car or a European car. I don't know if the model they're going to release here in the end is is going to change that or whether this is what's going to be brought here, but people will take a little bit of getting used to that. Um, and it's a bigger car, you, you were saying, than the Nissan, the first generation. It, it does certainly looks like a bigger car and feels, now that I'm inside, it feels bigger. Not, it doesn't feel like a huge car, but it doesn't feel like a, a, a mini car or a small car. Mine, uh, the, Nissan, the Leaf One, is um, certainly not a big car, but it's it's... It's not small like a, a, a mini or anything like that, but it's just uh, doesn't, you know, it's, it's quick and easy to park and those sorts of things. This one is a, just a bit bigger than that, although it doesn't look like a, a huge four-wheel drive. It's getting to that SUV type size, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's good, you know. People like my husband would love it to be more like that. Um, People like me like the smaller size cars. <laughs> this feels a bit, bit heavier, um, I'd say, but it drives very nicely, so you don't really notice that. I like the direct steering and um, easy to drive, even though it's got differences. I haven't found it difficult to navigate. It's got a lot more separate pedals, separate buttons, whereas with mine, they're all kind of on the center, center console and, and very quick and easy to access. Uh, this one's got an eco button, which is separate and not on the little center uh, button. It's got a separate e-pedal and it's got a separate foot handbrake. Foot rather break. than a <laughs> rather than a little <laughs> a little a handbrake which mine has uh, on on the center uh, next to the gear stick so there's a few things that uh, it's sort of separated functions out a lot more than mine has but other than that you know probably more or less similar Mm. And be exciting to see whether that braking system really extends the range because obviously with mine the range is pretty limited with uh, 100 now that it's um, five years old it's, it's sort of down to typically about a hundred K range on full charge and that is restricted mm. uh, around here when there's no charge points anywhere near You've got to be careful about where you're going and how you're going. Yeah, going to Byron's fine because lots of charge points in Byron, but not really anywhere else yet. This one um, has got twice the range, which would be nice. Um, and maybe we can swap over this size battery pack into my car in due course. Uh, they're saying that's possible, but we, we can <laughs> we're, we're yet to see whether that's reality or not. We'll wait to see, and it'd be interesting to see. I, I doubt very much, though, they'd allow you to do the vehicle to grid or vehicle to home with that. But I guess you need the extra controls, which maybe in this car, I'm not really too sure. Yeah, look, mine, uh, I just plug in in a normal PowerPoint at home, and I don't try, the battery isn't big enough to warrant trying to um, charge you know the, the household load from it <laughs> but and even with this one uh it's probably well i mean it's nice but i'm not sure 
how much people would use because you'd be wanting your 200k range in the battery to go out and about with and uh, you'd be thinking twice about um, draining your battery for household use mm. and then not being able to go anywhere but it really depends on how quickly we roll out charge points around the place if they had one yes. in Ballina and one in Lismore and you know then I'd be confident going out and about and not thinking about it the same way people now don't think about it because they expect to have a service station in every town. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Muriel. Fantastic to get your perspective and I uh, hope you enjoyed your little drive. It's lovely. I, re I like it. I can see for people who want a medium size, a medium but small car, this would be lovely and the ra extended range um, will, will make it much easier. Uh, to think about a car like this, particularly in an area where you've got charge points like Byron. And that was um, Muriel Watts, the owner of a first-generation Nissan Leaf. Now, we're also going to talk to uh, reporter, the chief reporter for the Driven.io, uh, uh, Bridie Schmidt, who was lucky enough to have the second-generation Leaf for um, pretty much the best part of a week. Bridie, thanks for joining the uh, Driven podcast. Hello there. So what was your take then from your week of the Nissan Leaf? What sort of st struck out most um, for you? Um, look, I think um, it, it, the, the, the most striking thing was that it was, it was an easy car to drive. It wasn't, I, I think, um, you know, if you look at the Teslas, there's a lot of learning curve there with the displays, etc. But the, the Leaf is pretty much your standard hatchback. It, yes, look, I guess it's very much like the um, the view of Hyundai. They just want to make their car come, their electric vehicles look just as much like a um, a normal car as as possible. And so, for all intents and purposes, all the same controls are still there, just with the minor differences. And I guess those big biggest differences are really just the way you drive the car, the um, the regeneration. Um, and um, just watching a battery, just watching a battery measure um, go up and down, rather than a um, rather than a petrol tank just go down. Yeah, that, that's right. And I suppose that's where it differed from the Kona, which um, I had the opportunity to drive a little while ago. That you know the Nissan Leaf range, it's doubled from the I think the twenty thirteen range, but um, it's still considerably less than what you get in the, the long range Kona that we've got here in Australia. So it, it did require a bit of, you know, keeping an eye on the range and, and planning a bit in regards to where to charge or making sure you get home on time, etc., and plugging it in. Yeah, in fact, you were talking about taking um, some of your family on a, on, on a longer trip um, in the Byron area, but you had to sort of change your plans because you kind of looked at the, you did a short, shorter trip in the morning and then sort of looked at the, um, looked at the distance to the next uh, destination, but mm, not too sure. Yeah, we uh, there's, there's a lovely, lovely cafe out in the hinterland that I really wanted to show family that we're visiting, but um, we opted instead for a, a closer village, which has got equally nice cafes. Um, but yeah, just because, um, you know, so you, you, you sort of have to plan for, for things happening, for example, I mean wasn't really rainy here but we do get causeways overflowing you don't want to get stuck <laughs> but what about the driving itself then um it's got um look it's no Kona and it's no tether in terms of acceleration and just sort of sheer power but it's pretty comfortable to drive and it just seems to have enough sort of oomph going up hills and um and around the places um as you would need from a car yeah definitely look i, I live in um uh, 
quite a hilly area and, um, you know, it, it didn't struggle. It didn't struggle at all. It had, it had lots of leg room. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a short person. Uh, it's, good, it's good to know that it's a comfortable ride. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, look, I'm, and I guess one of the things that we'll probably see in the, in, in the future, I mean, it, look, it is a $50,000 car that is bringing it down from what electric vehicles have historically been, but um, it's still a fair whack. I guess some of the value will actually just sort of end up being, hopefully, um, what happens when they bring the... Um, the, uh, the uh, vehicle to grid and the vehicle to home technology and um, unfortunately we're not really going to hear too much about that for another six months until it's actually approved in Australia and then we'll actually work out well what's the actual model how much people would benefit from it and um, and um, probably more just as importantly what sort of impact that might have on the life of the battery. Yeah, and, and look, that depends on your use case as well. If, if you, you know, for example, you're a nine-to-fiver and you, you have a nice boss who lets you charge at work, then you can charge the car up after you get to work, bring it home, and, you know, you, you, you'd be able to charge your, you know, power your home at night. Um, but it's it's not going to be suitable for other applications if, you know, you're on the road all day, etc. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where that heads and how many people take that up. Yes, well, I'm not too, really too sure whether people would be looking to the um, car to be able to back, charge up their house every night. But um, look, you never know. People might have their own ideas about how they want to use a car, how they sort of see the future of the battery, and I guess probably some uses that we can't even think of right now. So anyway. No, it was, it was, a, it was a good little car to drive. Look, no, it is, not, it's a, it is a very comfortable car to drive, and I think people really need to make their own decision by going out and having a test drive of their own, and um, I think the Nissan Leafs are spread around pretty much most of the dealerships. I think the numbers are about, is, Friday is about 100 or something like that, 117, do I remember, remember that number? I think it was around 90, but I could, I could be wrong, yeah. Well, def definitely, um, still a lot, have a test drive, um, and um, find out for yourself. Now, that's all for the Driven Podcast today. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back um, next week with a um, another review, maybe, or possibly another interview. So thank you very much. Bye, bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by ZeroMo, the non-profit initiative that supports battery electric alternatives for lawn and gardening maintenance. ZeroMo helps transition to cleaner and quieter garden power tools and electric vehicles powered by 100% renewable energy. Visit zeromo.com.au and find out how you can make the switch to zero emission, petrol-free lawn and garden maintenance.